Welcome to the Mojo Market Report. Here's your hosts, Dave Sturgio and Chris Gucci. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Mojo Market Report here on a rainy Tuesday here at Chop Studios. It is none other than Dave Sturgio and, of course, Chris Gucci. And, uh, yeah, we, we had ourselves a, a fun game last night, not for nothing. Uh, fun in the, if you're a Bears fan. I mean, if not fun at all if um, if you're not a Bears fan. But the, the best part was, you know, a lot of expectations went into this game as if, you know, uh, the Patriots are supposed to just take care of business at home. I, I don't know yeah, really what were, happened there. They were eight-point favorites going into the game. Yeah. I expected a little bit more out of the Patriots' defense, but it's the Bill Belichick and not being able to to stop a scrambling quarterback effect. I think that took place yesterday. Justin Fields had himself a day. He absolutely did. We'll talk about Fields in a little bit, but there's obviously a lot to go over when it comes to the top movers. Um, normally, on a Tuesday, we'll talk about everything that happened on a Monday Night Football game, right? Who's the top movers there? And we will. But yesterday, late yesterday, there was a little bit of an announcement made. I was driving, uh, and I got the little alert on my phone. says, Frank Reich. Dunzo with Matt Ryan, and I'm like, whoa, 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 you know, hold on, this is Matty Ice, this is Super Bowl getter to guy, <laughs> like he went to a Super Bowl, former league MVP, former MVP yeah. did I just say Super Bowl getter, getter to, to guy? guy, listen, it's Tuesday, this is my Jordan with the flu game, so bear with me, um, but anyway, the first top mover we gotta talk about is Sam Ellinger, top movers. Because all of a sudden, the trickle-down effect happens, and that's the theme of today's show. Because we are going to get into something we like to call cuffing season. You know, it is the holidays, after all, sooner or later. So you want to make sure you grab that extra special someone and cuff them for the time being. But in this regard, this is why it's so important to do certain things when you have a Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan is... I don't want to call him a fossil because he's not Tom Brady. When you have a guy that, whether he has had a good career or not, it's not what we're here to talk about. Matt Ryan is very accomplished. But right. when you see a guy that's nearing the end of the road, yeah. and you have a piece in place on roster where it's like, look, it might be time to kick the tires on said player, and Sam Ellinger is that guy right now. Up 211%, guys. So just think about this. If you were, for whatever reason, not sold on Matty Ice after last week, let's just say that, right? You saw him, how... how it was a piss-poor performance. He was just very bad, inaccurate, pick sixes left and right. It was just bad. If you knew right then and there, if you're in the mind of Frank Reich and you're like, you know what, it's it's happening. It's going to happen eventually. Let me get in on Sam Ellinger right now because at the end of the day, when Matt's done, Sam's the guy in this season. Where's because Nick Foles right now? I don't think – I haven't heard a word about Nick Foles. I thought he was with Frank Reich. Well, that's another thing. So obviously, that's not the move to be made. So sorry, Nick, your, your Super Bowl heroics are now be, being I forgotten be, about. I might be shorting Sam Ellinger based on where Nick Foles is. I have to look, but that, I'm pretty that's sure very Nick Foles. Because I'm I, look that I can up. imagine that Sam Ellinger is going to come in to this offense. I'm pretty and sure he's there. While Matt Ryan hasn't been playing well, there's reasons for Matt Ryan not playing well. He's on the Colts. There's been games where, where he's on the Colts. Yeah, there's yeah. been there's <laughs> been games where Matt Ryan didn't have a single shot. He had no receivers playing. Interesting. The offensive line has been struggling. Do you really expect Sam Ellinger, Ellinger to come in and be the the jolt of offense that the Colts needed? I think if you were one of the few play, uh, players in the Mojo Market that got in on Sam Ellinger prior to this moment. You're all you're you're all good to go. But for me, I think I'm going to short Sam Ellinger going forward this week. I just think uh, Nick Foles' presence right there and his success with under that that offense in that system, 
you got to imagine that Sam Ellinger is going to see his fair share of struggles as well. One thing to note uh, is, and I heard this uh, via, I believe it was ESPN, Rex Ryan had, had uh, announced this or said it on his little rant about Tom Brady, that, that the Bucks and Tom Brady were 31st. I know you're an analytics guy with all the stats and the, the weird names for stats, but there was one that measures the speed of an offense. 31st was the Bucks. 32nd was the Colts. They were the slowest team in the NFL. You so know, now, I, I look for those when I'm when I'm doing team totals and yeah, and yeah but I'm just saying, 100%. like they all of a sudden they get a guy, hook him, Sam Ellinger, uh, who's getting in this game and he can bring a little bit of a spark, a youth movement. You got the Pittmans of the world. You got Jonathan Taylor back with no look, injury designation. He, he they gotta up. get faster. He lit it up at Texas. Yeah, he's putting up crazy numbers there. But that's absolutely it's a, a different ball game. Different ball game now in the NFL. Oh, of course. But I mean, I'm just saying, right now, the movement is crazy. Um, again, if you miss this massive shoot-up, you know, that's on you. But, again, nobody could have predicted that after seven weeks of football, Frank Reich would give up on his quarterback but that, you, they, that but went you out can, and made a move but for. But you can start to look look forward to, like, the Ryan Tannehill dealing with an ankle. I know that he's apparently okay, but that means Malik Willis is waiting in the wings. You have Mariota that, while I think Mariota's been playing well and Atlanta's been a, a semi-decent story, as the season plays on and they start losing more games, it's only a matter of time before I think we see a Desmond Ritter. So, look, these guys have gone up without even playing just based on poor play of the guy in front of them. I think it's really, really time to consider the backup quarterbacks that are young right now. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So, a big movement there. But to the uh, last night's game, obviously the Bears take care of business and Justin Fields showed out. Now, look, I'll, I'll say this. I, did, I, I said it twice Live on the air. I went here and I said short Justin Fields, and I believe we're collectively short Justin Fields as the swig happens. Yes, we're both shorting Justin Fields. And then I joined the spaces last night with Luke um, and Shiano, uh, James Shiano was on there too. And I didn't say anything until the very end. They're like, hey, you know, we're going to wrap things up. I was like, oop, request to speak, request to speak. I got something. And I was like, short Justin Fields. <laughs> Double down on it. Justin Fields made me a fool and he made me look bad. But look, Let's call it how it is, all right? Justin Fields doesn't have this gaudy game or anything like that. 13 for 21, 179 yards, a touchdown, and a pick. The rushing is what really did it for Justin Fields, and you could just tell how many design runs there were just for him. Like, you could just – there was no RPO. It was literally quarterback power, you know, up the middle, off tackle, uh, between the guard. It didn't matter. I got to tip my cap to Justin Fields advancing uh, – not advancing me, but it knocked my big – like, I'm in a massive survivor pool. Down to 11 because Ooh. Justin Fields went into New England and did what he had to do at Gillette Stadium, baby. Thank you, Justin Fields. But I'm probably going to fade Justin Fields next week against the Cowboys. Well, you would think that, you know, when it comes to Justin Fields and looking at his, you know, career, I don't know if anybody's like looking at Justin Fields after a game like this and saying, like, there's the guy. There's the guy we're talking about. Like, there will be more struggles. And now he's going against the number one defense in Dallas and in Dallas, you know, so. I'm not about – I know the Cowboys like the back of my hand. I know that they struggle against scrambling quarterbacks as well. So, like, I know that – Oh, no. Well, yes, exactly. No, it's I'm an oh-no game. Cowboys. Huh? I'm picking the Cowboys. Yeah, all right, well, I'm not even lock, getting into it yet. locked in. I cannot do this right now. <laughs> I can't, I'm not going to stress this. It's only Tuesday. I'll stress it more at the end of the week. But in regards to Justin Fields, the movement is great. He goes up 4.5%. Uh, there was a multiplier available on him last night. Um, and like I said – Justin Fields, it's up to you if you want to take that risk. He doesn't seem like he's still him and his rapport building with uh, with uh, Mooney. I, that that's working. Cole Komet underneath, great running game. I mean, look, Herbert again. 
he's another guy we should have included him today because when we're talking about because Khalil Herbert is getting a lot of touches behind uh, David Montgomery and Montgomery scored last night so each guy's eating collectively good for the Bears though uh, this is a big win for them so moving on to another big big thing we said this last week we said is there a, uh, an actual quarterback controversy in New England and I believe there is because as the last night Mac Jones was set to make his return he did make his return and after just six attempts I believe yes. Three for six, 13 yards and a pick. And so let me play the whole first half. Yeah, right. <laughs> Bill, Bill Belichick offense. Yeah, I know, six right? attempts. That's no, a lot when of I tell, I think it was two possessions, man. And I was watching. And I was like, man, he don't look right. And I'm not saying that like, I, I, you can't. I don't know. It's hard to judge a Mac Jones on a on a on a. He's still a young kid. He, he's coming off the ankle injury, in which I thought for sure his ankle might have been chopped off, considering how he was carried off the field that day. You know, remember that? Like just yeah. Three guys carrying him. Like, Billy, I'm like, wow, okay, Billy great. Zappi didn't come in and light the world on fire. No, he did not. But what was said is is what's intriguing to me is the pro, uh, the post game press conference, and I for one find it to be highly entertaining, either on Mondays or Tuesdays, whenever the Patriots play. To just listen to Bill, Bill Belichick is one of the most highly entertaining guys while not trying to be entertaining. I mean, you laugh every time. Last night, he said that after the three-for-six performance, the start of Mac Jones, he was not benched for performance. And yet, Mac Jones is standing there with his helmet on, on the sidelines, standing by himself the entire game, just watching the game. So clearly, he's not hurt. You know well, what I mean? I mean like, he if he's just... standing, he's not hurt. If you're no. if you if he's if he's got an ankle thing still, then get him off his feet. No, you know, I, I think... That's got to be a thing. I think if that's what Bill Belichick wants to say, it could be true, but... At the end of the day, we'll find out next week if Matt we Jones is another week healthy and he gets the start. And I they think got they're the going to give him a go. So Quinn and Williams is going to be licking his chops, looking for himself some Zappy or some Jones. I wouldn't put too much credence into the, to the fact that Mac Jones was standing with his helmet on because sometimes when players get removed from a game, it's like almost like a defense mechanism where they keep their helmet on because the cameras are on you and they're <laughs> they're sad and they just want to you know kind of no, hide in that helmet. But in this regard, uh, as soon as Zappy came in there and lit the world on fire for that first drive and th uh, threw a touchdown pass. The first person to greet him and congratulate him was Mac Jones. So he's a pro's pro. Don't get me wrong. Um, but this could be – listen, there's a controversy here. And Bill Belichick is sitting as as the same – he's the same position as his his peers. When I say his peers, I mean the older folk in the league. Tom Brady under 500. Aaron Rodgers under 500. Bill Belichick under 500. So these are – moves need to be made. And, and if they want to make a splash right now, you got to do it right now. So I'm in on that. Um, so today – it's the beginning of cuffing season. Now, look, this is not fantasy football. This is not by any stretch of the imagination. Somewhat, I guess, in, in some regard. But when it comes to the mojo market, there is no cap on players. There is no roster spots. There, it, It's a portfolio. So we suggest, and we came up with this yesterday, that there's a lot of running back tandems in this league that it's smart to invest in their backup I hate using the word backup because it's like well, investing their yeah, supplemental me, back. This has essentially been my my life's work for the last two or three weeks <laughs> right. is to try and figure out how to invest in running backs in the mojo market. And an unfortunate situation took place in the Jets game Sunday where Brees Hall got hurt. It gave me insight because I'm in on Michael Carter and I've been in on Brees Hall. Um, yeah. So because of that fact, I did a we did our our fake team or a fake portfolio the other day where it was like fake. spend a thousand dollars well we were doing it for the show right giving people insight i'm not a thousand dollars well you didn't know that was fake <laughs> I, I just figured i'd take you serious no, they all you'd be doing well if you went with that <laughs> I, I think we built a hell of a portfolio so so to to touch on the point that i'm trying to make here 
is that I invested in Brees Hall and Michael Carter, and then there was some questions raised as to why would you invest in two, two. backs on yeah. the same team? Well, I'll give you my reason. One, I, th- I feel like I'm more inclined to invest in the supplemental back than I am the lead back. And I explained those on the on that episode as to reasons as to why. Is I like their usage. I like that they're not going to really be asked to do too much while they're still getting decent uh, touches in the sep- supplemental role. And we saw Brees Hall go down with an injury. And there was news that he potentially may have torn his ACL. And that came out as early as as soon as the game ended on Sunday. Yeah, But it wasn't that. confirmed. It wasn't confirmed. So Brees Hall went down about 7 or 8% right after the game. As of, how about this? As of market open yesterday... Brees Hall, I think, was down about 7 or 8%, and Michael Carter was up 12 Right. Right? So there was a chance that you could have actually have made a profit on a Brees Hall injury if you had handcuffed his back because while the official diagnosis was not out that Brees Hall tore his ACL, it was pending, and I felt like there was a little bit more room for him to go down once they released the news. I monitored that throughout the day. Mm-hmm. They released the news that Brees Hall tore his ACL. They confirmed it. And then Brees Hall shot down another couple percent. Well, Michael Carter, he also kind of shot down a little bit because of the acquisition of James Robinson. Correct. But point being is there was a point there where Michael Carter was up 12% and Brees Hall was down about 6 This was post-injury. So if you're looking at that, that's a 6% gain, depending on how you would have invested. Now, you don't have to go full $100, $100. You could go maybe a little hedge on the supplemental back. But nonetheless, it's alleviating some of that that pressure. The drop-off, yeah. Yeah, the drop-off. While there's still a chance that both backs go up, in the event that neither guy is hurt. There's also the trade deadline looming, so any of these backups that Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. are potentially in a contract situation, they have some room for growth as well. But I just want to look at what Michael Carter did as the backup, as the backup in New York while Brees Hall was in town. So he had 10 10 or more carries in four of the seven games this season, and he's gotten 24 targets. Um, He has at least one reception in every game. So the usage is there regardless of whether Brees Hall was in town or not. I'm all in on Michael Carter still. I think that there's a potential that he still is the number one back in New York, even though James Robinson is there. There might be a little bit of a committee, but there already was. I think Michael Carter sees an uptick in usage. So, yeah, point being, handcuff these starting running backs if they have a really good backup or supplemental back because you could you could really hedge your bet on the injury. All so right. that's my first one that we we all should have been in on if you listened to my show two weeks ago. Yeah, so now, other than the, the fact that these guys, obviously this, this one is affected dramatically because of injury as well. They bring in James Robinson, who, by the way, this is crazy, has one more carry than Brees Hall, like going into this next week. Obviously, Brees Hall's carries are done for the year. But I'm saying James Robinson's usage over in Jacksonville was a lot in the beginning. And then it almost makes you think, like, James Robinson was barely used last week. Yeah, like, no, there that's was something exactly in place. the reason why. We were talking about it. I think we yeah. brought up Travis Etienne as one of the top movers. Uh-huh. And like where was where was Robinson? Where was James Robinson? No, he no carries exist. almost. No carries. Well, now we know why. They yeah. probably brought him in the office before the game and said, "Hey, we're going to trade you." So. All right, that's it. All right, next group, guys that are familiar to you. And man, this graphic, by the way, you made him look like a house compared to Aaron Jones. Or is that in real? Is that is? I didn't make is that anything. To scale. That's literally <laughs> what the Packers should be doing way more often, right. and that's having both those guys on the field at the same time. And then we're talking about AJ Dillon, and of course, the starting running back is Aaron Jones. Now, Aaron Jones this season already. Uh, 26 catches. This is I start with catches because I saw a lot of his big time catches this after uh, this past past week. 26 receptions for 176, 78 rushes for 432, four total touchdowns. He's the finesse back of this, but he's also showing that he can still grind. Oh it yeah, out oh yeah. Heavily. He's he's definitely one of those guys that's not just a finesse back. He could do it all. 
Um, the Packers should be using Aaron Jones a ton more. They're 31 and two in games where he touches the ball 15 yeah. times or more. Um, I believe that Aaron Jones is one of the most undervalued, underrated backs in football. And that's not just because I'm a Packer fan. He's one of two backs in the NFL that since 2019 has uh, 4,000 yards rushing and 40 touchdowns total. So that's Aaron Jones and that's Derrick Henry. So those two guys are alone in that category. And I do believe that A.J. Dillon is kind of underperforming considering what we were expecting going into the year. He does have 10 carries or more in five of the seven games, but the usage has dipped as of late, and um, I think there's just a problem in Green Bay offensively. And the best way to fix those issues is to use what you have the best players you have, and those two guys are the best players we have in Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon right now. I think that the more the Packers get into the cold weather games, they're going to be leaning on the run more because guess what? These receivers can't be relied on, and until we make a move, and I say we, I'm clearly a Packer fan. Until uh, the Packers, he also is owner, too. Don't, don't, don't discredit that. I am a Packer that. owner, yes. Yes, he has so the certificate the Packers, to prove it. Until the Packers make a move for a receiver, you have to expect that it's going to be run, 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 run the football. We've been calling for it for three weeks. The Packer fan base has. And I think finally Matt LaFleur has to agree with us. And I, I believe that both so these is, guys going forward should be invested This is a simple in. case to be invested, both of these guys. Yeah, because of the and, and truthfully, if you really want to think long-term, um, Aaron Jones is signed through two more seasons, but there is outs in that contract. I think A.J. Dillon eventually may be the lone starter here, or at least the, the lead starter at some point in the next year or so. So... Keep your eye on that. And if Aaron Jones does, in fact, get hurt like a Brees Hall situation, A.J. Dillon is a clear RB1. Yeah, 100%. All right, looking in. All right, let's go over to my boys. How about that? Zeke yeah. and Pollard. Um, so, Ezekiel Elliott, Tony Pollard, there's been a lot of talk about which back is better, and I'm here to tell you and all of Cowboys Nation and everybody out there rooting for one guy over the other, it's a beautiful thing to have two completely different backs. You know, Zeke looks for contact. Tony Pollard is the finesse guy. However... What you saw last week is that Zeke does look for contact still. You know, seven years into the game, he's still the one looking to put his head down and get and take a couple hits. Those hits start to wear on you. There was a, a scary moment where he took a shot to the kneecap uh, over this past weekend against Detroit, and we thought, all right, well, in the event that that happens, can Tony Pollard be the every down back? Me, personally, I don't think so because I think he's a good change of pace guy. But man, oh, man, if you're looking to – you know, splash play like Detroit, Chicago, these favorable matchups that the Cowboys are about to, uh, you know, come across. And there's more down the road coming. Texans, Jaguars, uh, Packers can't stop the run. Uh, but what I'm saying is splash plays can be had. And that's how you could trade with Tony Pollard. Because Tony Pollard right now is uber cheap in comparison to a lot of these running backs out there. He's only sitting there at $11.49 a share. And his trajectory, if you see that over 24 hours, it's starting to trend in the right direction because they know the usage is going to be a little bit more plentiful. Zeke is obviously another banged up season. It's just going to happen. Zeke goes down a little bit, scores twice, which again is a big, big plus over at Mojo um, to score a touchdown, get some pay dirt. But again, you got to wonder, is he hurt? Is he banged up? You got to wonder have the usage, how many snap counts he's going to get. Overall, both of these guys are fully investable. To me, I, you know, me and my portfolio, it's hard for me. It, if you're going to go long on Zeke, you got to put a multiplier on him, con considering he's the banked value that he has right now is probably yeah. – uh, I mean, I'm, it's hard I'm, to forecast. I'm apprehensive but, with, with a player like Zeke because same, it's just same. hard for me to invest in anybody that is past their prime. You can in, in you know increase the risk – and make more money with the multipliers. But I think that there's a lot less risk with uh, some of these younger guys that are, haven't gotten their opportunity yet because all the value is there to be banked. Um, 
I don't think that Zeke is a bad player by any stretch. And mm-hmm. I honestly have to admit that I think that I maybe wrote him off a little sooner than I should have. But I also don't think that Tony Pollard, in terms of the backup running backs, as I'm looking through these guys, and I say backups, supplemental backs, he's actually getting the least usage out of all of them. When I'm talking about uh, A.J. Dillon, Pollard. Yeah. I do think that Tony Pollard, what you said, is correct. I don't think he has what it takes to be the every down back. And even if Zeke got hurt, I think that they're probably going to see he'll see an uptick, but they'll probably look to bring somebody well, else up to get some carries. To give Dallas. you an idea, he does have one. Tony Pollard does have one more carry than a Michael Carter this year already. So, and he's got more than the next guy we're going to talk about too, as far as a supplemental back. So he's not so, the least least. So there's but he is games, getting used. There is games where the, the reason why I say that is because I go more of a game by game basis, yeah. right? So. Michael Carter gets usage in every game, and I don't think his role has changed much. There's games where Tony Pollard was used a lot and then really not used at all. True. Um, three games with 11-plus carries, though, you really can't you can't scoff at that. Mm-hmm. So 10-plus carries in three of the seven games. I say that because Carter had four, A.J. Dillon had five. But really, the usage is essentially the same thing. These guys are heavily involved in the offense. The reason why I'm not in on a Pollard handcuff is because I'm just not completely in on Zeke. I think because of the way I look to invest is I'm trying to hit a guy right before he hits his prime, not on the tail end of it. And I do think Zeke still has good football left, just not in my portfolio. And do you think there's too much usage in Zeke, and that's why you don't go in on Pollard? Because there's so many carries that well, Zeke's getting? it's not that I don't. It's because, like I said, I think that there's there's more money to be made in some other investments at the running back position. It doesn't okay. mean that I don't believe in Zeke. It's just like when you're sitting there and you have a cap on what you're willing to invest, which I do, you know, I'm not just investing my entire bank bank account. So sure? I, as I put, <laughs> as I put some money out there, I want to spread it out into players that I think are going to m- give me better increase. I think Zeke, like I said, I think there's a less of a chance that he achieves his future bank value or right. his mojo market projections than a guy that, that hasn't really banked anything yet. I know that there's a little more risk there. Zeke is safe in terms of his floor is set. Mm-hmm. But that's not how I like to play, Dave. All right. Well, that's not how I like I to like play. To how about a really interesting one? I think this is the most intriguing one of all, and that's Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. Now, look, just so we're aware, Kareem Hunt has one less carry than Tony Pollard. and But the, the difference is where I get crazy with this. Like, Nick Chubb has double the carries than a Kareem Hunt. But... We are a stub toe away from Kareem Hunt being RB1. I thought for sure, and we said this on our show yesterday on The Daily Show on Chop, I thought for sure that the Jets were going to make a move. It would be for a Kareem Hunt or a Cam Akers. They make the move for James Robinson. I think still kudos to the Jets for still being all in. But Kareem Hunt, I felt like, was on the block and was ready to move because you know he's never going to get that usage. Nick Chubb is an absolute animal. You know what I mean? Like The guy gets so many carries and so many opportunities. You'll see a series here and there with Chubb. You know what I mean? It's not situational with Chubb. When they're on the goal line, if it's if it's Chubb's series, they're not, hey, Kareem, come on in. You know what I mean? Like it's not, he's not vulturing any touchdowns. He's not getting the carries that I want him to get. Fantasy owner. Uh, but you know what I mean? Like, but when I see a Kareem hunt, I see him flourishing with another team eventually. Yeah. I think Kareem Hunt, I mean, he's gotten 40% of the snap count. In every single game this season. And there's so, been times they're both on the field at the same time. It's just like he doesn't get the goal line carries. Mm-hmm. Um, Kareem Hunt's usage is a little disappointing, I must admit. But did we really expect anything else? We have a Pro Bowl, all pro uh, caliber back in Nick Chubb. Yeah, I know. Um, I think Kareem Hunt is a candidate to be traded. I think that's the most important thing of note here. 
because the trade deadline is looming, and we could actually talk about that. It's a good topic for tomorrow. Yeah, absolutely. Talk a little bit about some trade deadline expectations and what we who we expect to see moved. I don't necessarily fully expect to see Kareem Hunt move, but I know that he was complaining early in camp that he wanted to get traded, and they kind of quieted that storm a little bit. But as the deadline uh, approaches, I feel like Kareem Hunt, there is value there for the Browns. I don't know if they get a draft pick or they try and bolster the defense because they could use help stopping the run. Mm-hmm. But nonetheless... Kareem Hunt is a prime piece to be traded, and depending on where he lands, you expect him to be the starter right away. I think he didn't go to New York because, look, he's a former rushing title winner, and I think that New York might understand a little bit of what I was saying, that you know, investing a little bit more than you would have a sixth-round pick in on a rental. Robinson, that's pretty decent. You get, you know, you, you could throw a sixth-round pick away. Most of those guys don't make the roster. Uh, Kareem Hunt would have probably demanded a little bit more, and I don't think that a Kareem Hunt necessarily puts the Jets over the hump. You're not going to compete with the Bills or the Chiefs because of a Kareem Hunt. That said, kudos to the Jets, James Robinson. I am definitely an investor in a Kareem Hunt and a Nick Chubb combo. I wasn't I like a couple a weeks back, but seeing seeing how things play out and kind of understanding the running back market, I'm a little more confident in those two. All right, speaking of confidence, one of the guys that got moved before the deadline was a Christian McCaffrey, and he gets moved over to San Francisco, and the world is on fire over this. You know, social media is just buzzing about the compensation, about what his role is going to be there. We saw him already in one game with the Niners. He got the ball eight times for 38 yards, caught two balls out of the backfield for 24. Before that, he had 85 uh, 85 rushes for 393, two touchdowns, 33 receptions for 277, and a touchdown. So, the usage in Carolina was huge. Now you're getting into a crowded, crowded backfield. We're talking about Jeff Wilson Jr. We're talking about the return, the eventual return of Elijah Mitchell. We're talking about, I mean, Kyle Juszczyk, not really. I mean, he's a fullback, so like, I'm not going to go crazy about it. But this offense, the way it's built right now with Jimmy G at the helm, you would assume that they want to stick to the run. They have a great running, like, triple-headed monster plus Debo. But does that hurt CMC stock because of the fact that his reps will – Kind of get cut into, if that makes sense, because there's so many things to go, and and there's only one ball to go around. Does that make sense? I mean, maybe, but I think Debo and and CMC are going to be the focal point of the offense. I do think that other guys are going to see an uptick because of it. But really, you didn't just trade the entire uh, farm away to to bring CMC in and be limited. I think eventually they want to get him full going. But I think that he's going to put up crazy stats in San Fran in certain games. And then there's going to be games where the usage is a little bit less because Shanahan's just that type of player, uh, that type of coach. But I do fully expect that injury bug to rear its ugly head with CMC. It's just the way it's always gone. There's a lot of football left to be played. Um, and if you looked at Carolina the last two seasons, the one constant has been the backup running back kind of stepped up and performed well for fantasy owners and the Carolina Panthers alike. So, I fully expect to see an Elijah Mitchell because as he comes back from an injury, I think he's going to be the clear number two. Mm. I know Jeff Wilson did well, but Jeff Wilson's what he is. He's a backup running back, and in this case, he might be the third string. I don't think he Wally pipped anybody. Elijah Mitchell had a better showing last year as the lead back than than, uh, Jeff Wilson did this year. The only problem with Mitchell is he's also banged up. I would consider a handcuff on these. I'm, I'm a little apprehensive about CMC because of the injury risk, but I do think there's going to be really big games, almost Josh Jacobs-types games, where he has two or three touchdowns and a bunch of usage in different ways. But I do worry about the injury, so if I'm investing in CMC, I think it's a no-brainer that you at least have to hedge it with an Elijah Mitchell. The 49ers situation is a little harder to, to kind of dissect because Mitchell's still hurt, but I think because he's still hurt, you're going to see an inherent gain anyway as soon as they announce that he's back, so 
Get in on that now if you do think that CMC is your guy. You have to make the choice between Wilson or Elijah Mitchell on the handcuff. I'm here to tell you I think it's Mitchell. Okay. Interesting. Interesting conversation. Like I said, these are things that we've been monitoring on the market where people shoot up based off of performance and based off injury. Those guys that we just listed before with all these running back tandems, they're all in line for either A, usage just because, or B, a potential trade, C, injury. There's so many variables in this market, and just you saw the crazy movement. You don't want to miss the next Sam Ellinger moment. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like You don't want to miss that huge spike when, when somebody's uh, benched because of, uh, of performance. We could have went quarterbacks here. We could have talked about Malik Willis. We could have talked about Ritter on guys that you would kind of take the backup quarterbacks before they get in there. You know what I mean? So there's a lot of conversation to be had, but keep your eye on that market as it's completely fluid and volatile every day. Yeah, I would say just like in fantasy football, I know that this isn't a fantasy football show, but a lot of the things are relative to fantasy, and this is one of them. Instead of thinking about which running back should I invest in, I think it should more so be which backfield should I invest in. I like that's that. A, that's a better way to approach the running back market, at least from my from my side of things because you saw yesterday an injury like a, an ACL that could be crippling to your portfolio unless you have the the, the supplemental backup to, to inherit some of that loss and to kind of alleviate it and in this case you actually made money off the injury if you acted right in the real-time day trading opportunity that you was presented with the Elijah Mitchell or no though no, the Brees Hall in the Michael Carter situation. Yeah, it's an, like I said, unfortunate situation for Michael Carter, I mean, for Brees Hall, uh, but everybody will, you know, he'll be back. You know what I mean? And, and I'm, next year, it's somebody, you know, not for nothing, but maybe don't sell your Brees Hall stock, all of it. You know, he will be back, so we'll see. You well, know, like, like these I are said, things to monitor. If you, were, if you had the opportunity and you had the, the Michael Carter sitting there waiting in the wings then you can sell that actually gives you the opportunity to sell in real yeah, time because you don't you don't really realize that loss if yesterday you woke up in the morning and you were like oh man Brees hall went down i got him in my mojo portfolio that stinks but i do have michael carter and then you go check it out and you're like wow if i sell both right now i make money that's the name of the game, folks. And you could do that by downloading the Mojo app right now. Uh, there's plenty of giveaways. We're giving out cash your for hands free. Of it for a full season. Yes, exactly. Go on to the next <laughs> you could do that tandem. by downloading the Mojo app. Head on over to mojo.com. There is very, very, very good in-depth analysis from all of our writers over there. Be sure to follow us all on social media at Mojo, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter. Join the Discord. I started talking in that last night. The spaces that they do on Twitter are, are phenomenal. Great insight there. Luke always provides a great insight there. Uh, there's just a lot of information to go around. If you want to make some money on the Mojo market, it's real money, folks. I'm not even trying to mess around right now. I have made money on the Mojo market because of the fact that I've listened to myself. <laughs> and I've listened to Chris, and I've listened to every all the experts that we have surrounding this entire, entire brand. So with that, for Dave Sergio, Chris Gucci, this has been another episode of the Mojo Market Report. We'll see you guys tomorrow. It's trade deadline, so it's, it's getting there. We'll see. Getting close. We're getting there. We'll see you guys tomorrow.